Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God is sure. Stand sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Aren't you glad of that? Amen. Amen. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in me for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Let's again go to the throne of grace. Don, it is so good to have you with us here tonight. Would you like to lead us to the throne of grace, my dear friend? Amen, amen. We have been looking at this series, uh, Preparing to Build. We have looked at the foundation, what you are building on. We've looked at friction. Every building, all buildings face a storm. Every building. The Bible says a wise man buildeth on the rock. The rain comes. Boy, the rain came today, amen. And a wind blows. But he stands. The foolish man that builds on the sand, the same rain's going to come, the same storm's going to come, but it'll fall and great will be the fall of it. That's what the Bible says. And every house is built with a storm in mind. Number Last week we looked at form. What does the building look like? Well, tonight we want to look at the next thing, and that is function. What does the building do? What is it, what's going to be done in the building? Let me, first of all, you understand this. The Bible says, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Understand that. We are God's building. When we built this church, we had in mind how it would be used. And uh, truth is, there's things done in this building that wasn't done in the fellowship hall. When we built that building, we knew what we was going to do in that building. Every building is built with a function in mind. Second, don't miss this. Regardless of, now understand, you and I are the building. We're the building, all right? Regardless of how good a building is, if we couldn't use it, then it's worthless. Doug St. John, and a dear friend, just a dear friend, was the contractor in charge, or the, the, the site contractor uh, 
And uh, he, he built this building for us. He headed up and had people working and built this building. Wouldn't it be something if we said, man, this is a beautiful building. But we came in here and said, okay, Doug, let me have the keys. And Doug said, no, I've changed my mind. I think I want to keep the building. And you'd say, now, that's foolish. It's not any more foolish than those of us sitting here today. And God's saying, I want to use your building. But you said, I changed my mind, God. I'm going to use the building. Behold it, Doug. We're paying for this building. We're paying for this building, man. It's our building. And, we, and Doug said, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think I'm going to use the building. And you say, no, that, that's crazy, preacher. Is it, not, is it any more crazier when we go to God and say, God, I know you saved me. I know you bled and died for me. I know you paid for me, but it's my building. I'm going to do what I want to with it. I'm going to do what I want to with it. I know you paid for it. I know you shed your blood. I know you died. But I'm I'm going to use it, God. That would be kind of foolish. Just as foolish as it would be for Doug St. John to say, I'm not going to let you use the building. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I wonder what it would be if Doug would say, Boy, preacher, I've worked on this building now for about nine, nine ten months, almost a year in, in getting it built. I, I've really got attached to the building. I really don't want to give it to you. But Doug, we paid for it. God comes and says, you know, I paid for you. But you don't know, I'm really attached to myself. I'm really attached to my life. And I really don't want to give it to you, God. Matter of fact, God, I've really gotten comfortable with me using my building. Oh, but God says, but I paid for that. And a price far greater than money or silver and gold. But with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we find, we come to that place of thinking about function. I love this. One of the last things that, that Carolina Shelter did whenever we finished the building was, the last thing he did he gave me keys to the building. I got a question for you. Will you give God the keys to your building? Will you give God the keys to you? See, that key here will get you in the church. That, and if you, this key gets you in the church, this key will get you into every room in the church. 
He'll get you in every class in the church. If you're willing to give God the keys, He'll get into every room of your heart. I don't know about you, but it is in my heart to give Him the keys to my life. And I want Him to always have veto power. You know, one of the things, and I, I appreciate a dear brother that's here tonight and because God moved my heart, and, and I said, we, we need to do this, and I'm glad I got, I, got, I, got, I got the greatest church in the world, in a sense, that they will let me follow God the very best I know how to do. We had made some decisions, and I felt like we, the timing was wrong, when we shouldn't do it right now. I'm glad, why won't God have the keys to my heart to do what He wants to do? So tonight, I want to show you four keys that unlock the building so it's functional. Wouldn't it be so, how many of you agree, agree with me? We have a beautiful building. Amen. Uh, let me just say this. It may shock you, but I have met people said, I wanted to stop there and visit your church, but the buildings are so nice, I thought it was a highfalutin church. I said, no, just come on in. You'll find out we're okay. We're all right. You'll feel right in. Amen. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. We got a church that's beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, just some people that want to love God, serve God. Just old sinners saved by the grace of God. That's all we are. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? I said, son, just come on in. But he said, oh, but the buildings are, are immaculate. Can I help you? Wouldn't it be something to say, what a beautiful building, but we just couldn't use it. I'll give you one example, and I'm going to move on. I went to see my doctor. And a uh, uh, fine Christian man. And I asked him where he was going to church. How many of you uh, ever seen that big Christ-reformed church down in uh, Viewmont Rock? It is beautiful. But he made this statement. But it's not very functional. He said, it's not very functional. Man, my, my ears perked up. I said, say that again? He said, it's not very functional. I said, why? He said, it's got these big old pillars. And you always had to kind of look around those pillars, you know. It's not very functional. No matter how beautiful a building is, if it's not functional, then it's just a pretty building. No matter how good a Christian you look like on the outside, if God can't use you, then it's worthless. It's not functional. Key number one. Let me show you key number one. All right? Let me get there. Amen? I'm going to move on. Key number one. Key There you go. Praise God. Key number one. Purging. Verse 19, that everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Verse 20, that's verse 19, verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself of these. The word purge simply means to cleanse thoroughly. In 2005, we, we built our fellowship hall and it worked out that our first service was homecoming. And uh, we... We, we all gathered out there. 
And uh, it was Sunday. We, we had our Sunday morning service. And that evening, we were going to use the fellowship hall in 2005 on the very first homecoming in a brand new building. We opened the doors and we get ready to walk in and there's a truck sitting in the middle of the floor. And it's got Carolina Shelter on the side of it. So we called Carolina Shelter and say, what's that truck doing here? So they called Doug St. John. Doug, why is that truck sitting in the middle of the floor? Well, I thought that'd be a good place to park it. I thought that'd be a good, wonderful place to park it. Wouldn't that be silly? Wouldn't that be crazy? See, the reality is, once they got the building done, the last thing, when we, when we had this building here worked on, and, and the ceiling fixed, and we was going to use this building again, the last thing they did was, they came in here, and they cleaned it up. They had to purge it from all the dust and dirt and, and trash and plastic and, uh, and just, just everything all over the floor. They had to come in here and purge this thing. The last thing you had to do was to clean it out. And then it looked clean. On the outside. If you had walked into one of these doors on the side, you would have said, man, they sure done a good job of cleaning it. But if some of you ladies had come in and sat down with a black skirt on, you would have been upset. Because guess what? It looked clean on the outside, but the reality was... They was dust everywhere. And we had to come in here and we had to, to purge this build. Literally, we had to clean under the pews. The, I mean, we had to clean everything because it had this, had this fine dust all over it. You know, if God, if a building is going to be functional, if it's going to be functional, if it's going to be usable, then we got to clean some things out of it. I wonder, young people, if we flashed your Facebook page up here, would you be embarrassed? What really scares me, if we flashed your Facebook up here, and it's got filth and junk in it, and you're not embarrassed, the question I'd have for you is, are you sure you're saved? Are you sure you belong to Jesus? See, when we want to be used by God, we got to start, first of all, with some purging. It means, first of all, Timothy said, we got to forsake the false teachers. 2 Timothy 2.16, But shun vain, profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Notice what he said in verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. One of the things that, that you'll find, those that study counterfeiting, and I love this, those that study the, the, the art of counterfeiting, they never, they never study the counterfeits. 
There's too many of them. You know what they do? They study the real thing. Amen. And they study and they study every minute mark on the real thing. So when they put up a dollar bill and it's real, they can tell it. But when it's a fake, they can tell it. You know why? They've been studying the real thing. You know how you want to know if your life is clean and purged, what's false, what's right, what's crooked, what you shouldn't do? Study the real thing. Amen. All you got to do is study the real thing. Number two, he said, we got to flee former transgressions. Listen to what he said. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. There's got to be some things that... I love this. And by the way, let me, let me just stop here and hit this for every one of us. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness. One of the things we have to understand is in our youth, and you can go ahead and put your hand up now, in our youth, we do some really stupid stuff, do we not? Foolish, stupid stuff. But there ought to come a time, there ought to come a time that when we stop doing some of that stuff, the Bible says when I was a child, I talked like a child, I acted like a child. But when I got to be a man, I put away some childish things. There will come a time when we put away some of the foolishness and some of the things that bring such a destruction. So we've got to have to learn to flee former transgressions, some things. But we talked about that Sunday, about junking that uh, past, leaving that past, just dumping that garbage and uh, I talked to a man this week, and uh, bless my heart, and, and uh, most of you will not understand this, but boy, you, you preach a message, and when you're done, the devil said, boy, that's a, that's a bummer, that was worthless. But I love this, talked to a man this week, and he, he said, you know, preacher, you, he said, I just want to thank you for the message Sunday. He said, boy, you're talking about dumping that past, forgetting that past, leaving that past. And uh, he told me a story that's just almost unbelievable. But I love this. He said, just a little while ago, since I've started coming to church here, he said, I've junked all that mess, decided I want to serve God, live for God. So we've got to flee former transgressions. Number three, got to forego foolish talk. Listen to what he said. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do, that they do gender strife. Okay, preacher, where did Lot get his wife? That's the kind of questions. I'm amazed. We'll go out visiting, and people will come up, and they want to debate the Word of God. And they wanted to discuss foolish stuff. Okay, preacher, how many, how many toenails does a beast in the book of Revelation have? I don't know. You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed how, how they want to discuss foolish, silly stuff while they're on the road to a devil's hell instead of, instead of discussing those things that they need to talk about. John 4.35 said this. Don't miss this. Say not ye 
There are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I send you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. There's people all around you dying, lost, and going to hell at a breakneck speed. We don't have time for foolishness, all right? Then last of all, we've got to fulfill our purpose. So the first key is purging. Number two, number two, presentation. If a man therefore purge himself, that's where you got to start, from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, and I want you to get this word here, sanctified. Sanctified. Now the word sanctified simply means this. It means to be set apart. It means that it was a... Best illustration I can give you is this. How many of you understand the church tonight is not this building, but it is all of us sitting here. Born again believers, we are the church. How many understands that? Amen? Okay, we're the church. But do you also understand this building has been sanctified? And what I mean by that is this. We're not going to shoot pool in it. We're not going to play bingo in it. We're not going to have a dance in it. We're not going to do some stuff in this building. You say, why are we not going to do this? It's a sanctified building. And what I mean by sanctified is it is a building that's been set apart for God's use. Now, the truth of the matter is, it's no better building or no different building than the Moose Lodge, wherever the Moose Lodge might be. It's going to have sheetrock walls and a, and a roof of uh, shingles and it's going to have a concrete floor and it's going to have carpet. Probably don't have pews, but, but the truth of the matter is what makes this place special is we, it's a sanctified place. It's set apart. I, I might as well just go ahead. I, I've been in trouble all day, so I might as well just, just nosedive in. That's the reason, that's the reason that I believe the way we come to the house of God is important. Not that it makes us better than anybody else, but what we're saying to our God is this, that's your house. That's your house. Uh, if, I, if I come to your house and I come to make a visit, if I come to your house and, and I knocked on the door and you said, well, come on in, preacher, and I come in and I, I've got my old, I got an old, old sloppy t-shirt and, and and an old pair of jogging breeches I'll sleep in and, and walk in and work in and whatever else I want to do in them. And, and I'll walk in and, and, and I, I walk in and, and, and I come to see you. You would, would, would you not be bothered saying, what's happened to him? What's happened to him? He would be very dis, disrespectful to your House. It's your house. 
If I came into your house, and I don't smoke, so don't get alarmed, but if I come in your house, and you did smoke, but I let up a half a dozen cigarettes, would you be... Would You know what, what I'm saying? It, it's amazing. It's amazing. This church is a sanctified place. So it is a place that we need to reverence as being a sanctified place. And what we did whenever we built it, we presented this thing to God. Okay, here God, this is your house. It's not my church, it's not your church, it's His church. Praise God, we just get to be a part of it. But to do that, it takes two things. Number one, it takes, first of all, a replacement... Dynamic. What do I mean by that? Change. Simply change. The Bible says, And be not conformed to this world. Let me read you this verse before that. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which are your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want you to get this. You're lost. You're as comfortable. Drinking a fifth of liquor is anything. But when you get saved and you you present this by God, you saved me, you bought me, you purchased me. Then you present that body to Him and you say, I just can't do that no more. I'm going to shock you. I can go get drunk like anybody else in here. I can go get me a girlfriend on the side like anybody else. It wouldn't live long, darling, would kill me, but I could do it. I could go rob a bank like anybody else here. But when I got saved by the grace of God, and I present to Him this house, this key, saying, God, I want you to use me, guess what? I don't want to do that no more. I don't want to do that. God changes you want to. You young people, if you're comfortable sinning, something's wrong with your heart. I, we all sin and come short of the glory of God. How many of you do something wrong and the moment you do it, the Holy Ghost of God slips in beside you and says, what do you mean doing that? Yeah. I, I, I can't get by with nothing. I mean, I got, I got a little sideways by crazy drivers drive me Crazy. And I, I'm honest with you. It's, it, I, I was trying to get from Hickory the other day, and, and I got behind this car, and every few little bit, they would just stop and gaze around. And I'm sitting here, my, my. you don't know what I thought. It wasn't nice. And I'm just having myself a, a fit, and about that time, just right out of the blue, I didn't invite him in. God said, what do you mean acting like that? What do you mean acting like that? Why some of your church members saw you act like that? 
I said, well, God, they act like that. I'm sure they do. I want you to know this thing of the key of presentation. Is to, I want to ask, again, I ask you the question, can God have the key to your building? Can he? Because if he gets the key to that building, he's going to want you, you it, it takes you, he's going to change some things. He's going to change some things. Not only that, I, I, let me give you this one illustration. I got to move on. I got a bunch of illustrations. I, I love the fire department. I absolutely. I, I love being a volunteer fireman. I, I was a good volunteer fireman too. And uh, the only thing kind of irritated me about that was this. Uh, literally, when I joined the fire department, they special ordered me a, a, a turnout gear that would fit. And, uh, and I, honest, when I got in, the legs wasn't no shorter, longer than that. And it was the cutest thing you ever seen. And I, I love being in the fire department. But the day when God began to move my heart in the ministry, because I loved that so much, God said, I want that. I want that. And if I'd given him the keys to the building... He's got a right to everything that's in the house. He's got a right to everything in the building. It's his building. And so, change. Number two. I use this word, reciprocal division. Don't, don't let that hang. It means freely given. Notice what he's saying. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I'm going to take it. I'm going to make you do it. Well, the Bible don't say that. Listen to what the Bible says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable search. You know what God said? I'm not going to down you and make you give me them keys. I'm not going to force you to give me the keys. He said, I want you to give me those keys. I want you to freely... Give them to me. Well, why would I want to do that? He points me back to Calvary. He says, because right there, you see the blood dripping from the cross? It's the blood I shed for you. You see me dying? That's the blood I, I died for you. You see me raising? I raised for you. I set the right hand of the Father for you. And he says, I want you to give me. Second key is presentation. Number three. Third key, I gotta move on. Pleasing. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he should be a vessel of honor, sanctified, and notice, and meet for the master's use. It has the ideal that I want to be pleasing to him. Now, before we moved in this building. We had to have what's called an occupancy permit. And um, the inspector came. His name was Mark. And Mark looked at everything in this building. He never commented on the beautiful pews we had. He never commented on the beautiful carpet. 
He never commented on the beautiful walls or the outside. He didn't comment on none of that. Here's what he did. He walked through. He had looked at the construction the whole time it was being built. He come through that door. He come up that hallway. He come through that door. He stopped right there. At that time, this front pew stuck out to right here. The front pew seated right here, the end of it, on both sides. He didn't comment on what a beautiful color coordination we had. He never commented on the beautiful ceiling and the chandeliers. All he done, he stopped right here and he said, I have a question. I said, yes, sir, what is it? He said, how are they going to get the wheelchair up that ramp, through that door, and onto the platform? I said, well, my gosh, man, anybody in a wheelchair ought to be able to jump the pew. And he smiled and he said, nope. And I'll never forget, he said, that's not functional. And he said, you've got to cut the pew off to where this door can open and they got free reign to get the wheelchair up. So we had to hire a man to come in and cut both ends of that pew off and put it back together. You know why? Because before the building could be used, it had to meet his code. There is a deceptive perception that people have. And the deceptive perception is, is, is really this. We can have a vision for what the building is. We can have a vision of all that God's doing. But may I remind you, we're not the inspector. By the time we got here, I had already had my pulpit in place. I'm ready to go. I got a vision for the church. But I wasn't the inspector. And that inspector had to approve it. And here's the deception. You're not the inspector. The Bible says this. The Lord said to Amos, and I want you to notice that one word there. What seest thou? And I said, plumb line. Scott, right real quick now, what's a plumb line? We may have some that have no idea what a plumb line is. And I know you know what a plumb line is or you're going to get fired. A vertical straight line. And it'll be plumb every time. Then said the Lord, Behold, I will set a plumb line. Can I help you? Who do you think is the inspector of your building? Who's set the plumb line? He has. He has. 
That's a reason why, regardless of how our opinion and, and this, this, this perception is so deceptive so many times because we think we have the right to inspect our own buildings and decide instead of getting to God's Word and the plumb line. Well, I just don't believe you have to use the King James Bible. Get your Bible out. I don't believe you have to do this. You can believe a lot of things, but you can believe them wrong and be deceived because man's approval doesn't mean he approves. Amos said, I'm the plumb line. And there has to be a pleasing. Key number one, I want to be pleasing. Number four, preparation. Notice what he said. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel in honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. I am so thrilled tonight that God wants to use you. And one of the greatest things that God is doing in our church right now is this, is He's preparing people. He's preparing buildings that He can use. You know why we spend all the money and the work and the effort into this patch club? You know why we're doing that? We're not doing that just so you you don't have to take care of your kids. You're going to have to take them home with you, so, you know. No, we don't do that for that. You know why we're doing that? Here's why we're doing that. We want them to understand what it means to serve God, love God, the Word of God. We want them to understand what church is all about, the Christian, the Christian life is all about. We want to train them to prepare them to be the buildings that God can use. That's what we're doing. And the ideal is this. It is constantly, we're constantly preparing this crowd to do just this. I'm going to move right on because my time's about right up and I'm just going to move through the rest of them. i ask you just one more question because really this is it. This is it. Can he, will we give Jesus the keys to the building? When we got, when we got everything done, and by the way, he did not, the, 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 the inspector, and Mark was a good friend, and, and, and he, he was really helpful with me in so many things, but he would not give me an occupancy permit until I fixed this building to where it was functional for everyone. I remember telling him, hey, dude, we ain't got anybody in wheelchairs right now. Just give me, let me use the building. We ain't got anybody wheelchairs. I remember what he said. I'll never forget. He said, this building has got to be where everybody can use it. You know what God wants to do? He wants to use every single one of us. Will we give him the keys to the building? Or will we say, you know, I know you paid for that building. I, I know you've got a plan for that building. Well, we built this building. I had a plan for it. It's going to be church. It's going to worship God. We had a plan for it. 
I know you've got a plan for it. But wouldn't it be something if Doug St. John said, I'm just not going to give you the keys to the building. I've kind of got attached to it. Matter of fact, preacher, I know you're paying for it, but I'm going to use the building for what I want to use it for. I know what the building is supposed to be used for. And we're not ignorant. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. Most of us have been around here long enough. We know what's right and we know what's wrong. And then you know when you say, God, you're, I'm not giving you that. I'm not giving. What you're saying is, you're not getting the key to my building. Well, I don't know about you, but I want to give God the key to my building. That is God. I want you to use me in any way you want to use me. I, I want to be an open building for Him to use for His glory and for His honor. Because at the end of the day, praise God, that's all that's going to matter. That's all that's going to matter. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head